things there. I have been told you are planning a child sacrifice. Ebert demands the life of an unborn, or our movie podcast will not succeed. I will not allow the sacrifice of an innocent. You are banished for life. In Arak, no one will remember your name. Oh, great, we're banished. Come on, let's go before you piss off the king any further. The unborn child is yours, King said. Jesus Christ, what did I just say? It must be cut from its mother, branded with the sign of Ebert and sacrifice. What? Jason, you are taking this podcast way too seriously. I'm not all podcasters sacrifice children. Really? Probably. I could have you put to death. Hey, hey, I'm just this guy's co-host. Look, King said, how about you just listen to our podcast and you'll see it's worth the death of your unborn child. I have spoken! He wants your children! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, I don't even know if it has a reputation, Steve. It does if you had cable in the 80s. Holy shit, that's true. Since it's my birthday, and now we're going to watch a movie that I love that may not exactly be the best thing in the world, last time (laughs) we did... He-Man and She-Ra, this thing with the sword with the cousins, or the brother and sister, and the, there was not enough Skeletor, and it made me hurt a little bit inside my body parts. Yeah, we all remember. This time we're going to do a movie that might have made you hurt inside your body parts, but I love, still to this day, I hadn't seen this movie in about four years, and I still like it. What Steve did, Steve, Steve, what did we review this time around? We reviewed the classic 1982 film, The Beastmaster, which is, of course, the biopic of legendary Ringling Brothers uh, lion tamer Gunther Gable Williams. How do you know that? Oh, uh, what? Did you research a joke? <laughs> no, I actually, I, I remember Gunther Gable Williams. I would have preferred an answer that said, I researched this joke, Jason. I just don't know the I names did. of lion tamers off the top of my head. Ask me to name another one. I won't be able to. But, you know, Gunther Gable Williams was mentioned in commercials. So, you know, I remember. Well, I was like, oh, For what? Hi, kids. For would you like to tame lions yourself? <laughs> would I? It was a correspondence course. <laughs> he was kids the Sally the Struthers of the circus. He's got the lion tamer's hat, but he's got a maul across his face, and he's only got one arm. Would now you the like girls to tame will be the sure savage to like beast me. Of- <laughs> Would you like to tame the savage beast? Sure, we all would. <laughs> what was he doing commercials for? Uh, it was it was for the circus, well, like when the circus came to town. Oh, so he was like, hi guys, would you like to watch a bunch of depressed animals who would willingly kill us if they got a chance? Walk <laughs> around a circle for about three hours, then you walk out of the circus feeling bleak, like you just <laughs> witnessed something you shouldn't have. It, you might get a ticket to the day when the lion finally breaks bad. <laughs> and if he does, I'll be the first one on his list. See you at the big top. And we're hoping this year will be the year that one of our elephants doesn't charge into the audience (laughs) fleeing for the exit. It's not your fault, folks. They have a right to be angry. (laughs) 
Oh, well, that's great. I, anyway, guys, yeah, we're doing the Beastmaster. Yeah. Not about a lion tamer, but about nope. a dude who's got a bunch of animal friends and some made-up mythical fantasy world. You know, the thing that Steve likes yeah. so much, right, Steve? You love yeah, fantasy exactly. stuff. I love fantasy. This is It's basically Dr. Doolittle BC. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, if yeah. Dr. Doolittle got in a fight, it'd be a short fight, wouldn't it? Yeah, because, yeah, Beastmaster's got a posse. Yeah, he's got a posse that is back at all times. <laughs> what does Dr. Doolittle have? He's got a filthy monkey and a push me pull you. <laughs> Get in there, monkey! <laughs> <laughs> get in there, monkey. Show them what you got. Go get that tiger. Come on. Okay. Hey, Steve, do you have any trivia for this movie well, before we start making with the who did it and whys? I just, well, we, we joked about it already, but, you know, a lot of people, this movie, when it came out in the theaters, wasn't like a huge hit. No. But it, it became one of the most popular movies of the 80s because it became that movie that every cable channel played relentlessly like forever and ever in the early and the mid 80s because back before back before cable channels had you know like fancy big budget prestige original series they would just put anything they could possibly get their hands on tv especially during the day yeah and beastmaster for whatever reason became one of those movies that like tbs played it so often people used to say tbs stood for the beastmaster station Mm -hmm. tnt played Um, it so often one of the executives said uh, it was second in popularity oh, yeah. after Gone with the Wind. Yeah, think about that. What kind? What other list will you find of movies where number one is Gone with the Wind and number two is The Beastmaster? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it was one of those first movies. In what are you talking week. about? It, you, you can easily do that. Number one is Citizen Kane. Number two is Solar Babies. It works, see? <laughs> of course. Of course, of course, you know. Number, <laughs> number one, one is, is the Sour and the Pity. Number two is Short Circuit 2. <laughs> exactly. Number one is Sophie's Choice. <laughs> number two is Police Academy 3. Arguably but, the only good Police Academy, but anyway. Clear, obviously the best of the of the series, yeah. But, yeah. but so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it was one of those movies that, and I think that as much as, as the, the greater success of movies like the Conan movies is probably why we got so many, so damn many low-budget sword and sorcery movies in the early and mid-80s, because people realized, oh, shit, even if nobody sees them in the theaters, they'll show them on TV and people will rent them on video, which is mm-hmm. a new thing, and we'll be able to make tons of money. So. And eventually uh, a sequel and, and yeah the, the well the sequel to this came out like 10 years later yep. or something was and like, then it whoa they're TV doing another series. Beastmaster yeah it did just yeah. lots of stuff so yeah if you ever wondered why so you know why cable TV was so terrible in the 80s it's because you all were watching Beastmaster too much and well, the programmers HBO showed were like it a lot. It. H- once yeah. the HBO got it they had they had no choice because one of the things that happened with cable at that time was uh, there was this guy named Ted Turner and mm-hmm. he bought everything and then kept it for himself so that that HBO and other Showtime and all those other pay-for cable channels couldn't really go and show classic movies um, because Ted owned everything. So right. they were limited to what the th- what the movie studios would allow them to show. And if you were somebody like <laughs> that produced Beastmaster, you let them have it for a song, and you right. play. You ran that into the ground. Hey, you could you could play Beastmaster, and they're like, a, "We what? will." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Hey, that's two hours we can cross off the calendar. Sweet. Because we're not going to get ET for about five or six years, so we're going to play Beastmaster now. <laughs> 
Well, that's great trivia. I have some trivia too, Steve. Let's let's hear it. The filmmakers didn't really know what to do with animals when they started making their movie. Oh, this is not a good movie to have that problem. Well, number one, there's a, there's a hawk or an eagle that is yeah. uh, in this movie. The eagle did not like to fly. <laughs> mm, you can see how that would be a little bit of a hiccup. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta gotta run at that again, because actually saying it out loud is too funny for words. The eagle did not like to fly, so they figured out a way. They got the eagle, they put the eagle in the basket of a hot air balloon. (laughs) Hey, that's ingenuity. That's filmmaker ingenuity. By itself. (laughs) Goodbye, eagle. And they would trigger a hatch automatically from remote control so the eagle would then fly and look for, you know, its handler. Because if the handler went up, it would just fly. It wouldn't even leave. It would just get on the handler and not go anywhere. So that's how they figured (laughs) out that eagle. (laughs) Number two, um, they originally were going to do a panther, right? There's yeah. there one of one of the main characters' friends is a panther, and um, instead they decided they're gonna just make a tiger, and dye him black. <laughs> yep, which didn't work real good. I mean, they, the the dye would come off. There was an urban legend that the dye actually killed one of the tigers, but that is not true. That is just an urban legend. But the yeah, tiger. I mean, who would, do they think directed this thing? Michael Cimino. Yeah, the dye would come off on its own. The, the, the tiger is a cat, and cats clean themselves, and right. the, the cat would just <laughs> lick the dye off of itself. The other thing was was they did not know that there were precautions that had to be put in place whenever you have a tiger and a child in the mm. same scene. Number one, they're not Oops. even really supposed to be in the same scene. Number two, if they have to be in the same scene, the child and the tiger need to be separated by a, by, a, uh, by plexiglass. Number two, the tiger needs to be chained. Number three, there needs to be like a tiger sniper <laughs> in case oh, the wow. tiger gets away. <laughs> It's really more trouble than it's worth, if you think about it. But they didn't know that until they filmed almost all the scenes where the kid is, like, literally in the laying on the tiger with half of his body in its mouth for the scene, <laughs> just goofing around with the tiger. Uh. <sighs> and lastly, the um, two cute little ferrets, Kodo and Pogo, that are in this. Yeah. Poto, sorry. Um, there was, I think, somewhere around, I, now I heard quoted 56 different ferrets to do the things that the ferrets do. Like, they had the ferrets that would stay in the bag. They had the ferrets that could climb down a rope. They had the ferrets that could chew on things. They had the ferrets yeah. that could run away from a monster man. They had the ferrets that could carry bags. <laughs> it seems like the ferrets were the only ones that worked out, other than the dog. I don't want to bring up the dog right yeah, now. Yeah, the dog. All right, Steve, you ready for the who made it some what the fuck? I want to know. <laughs> what love is? I want to <laughs> I want to know who made this. <laughs> Don't do that, please. I want get... you to tell me. All right, fine. It was directed by Don Cascarelli. Now, you guys may know Don because he's directed a couple of things that are fairly notable, right, Steve? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Phantasm, yeah. one of my favorite horror movies because it's so goddamn weird. <laughs> it is just one of those <laughs> weird... It was almost as if they said, hey, let's make a horror movie. What is it going to be about? Uh-huh. It's going to have things. It'll have <laughs> we'll things in it. it. It'll be like a tall guy and a ball that kills people. And it'll be in a mortuary. And we'll make the sequels 10 to 12 years apart. Yet we'll cast the same people 
and the action will pick up from the last point of the last movie. <laughs> yeah, nobody will notice. It'll be just like, hey, let's set Karate Kid three right after the first Karate Kid. Yeah, and he's the same age. Uh huh. That works great. <laughs> Thankfully, works Ralph through. Macchio was like thirty eight when he made the Karate Kid or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then they had to get rid of his girlfriend. <laughs> Well, they they cast somebody else. It's not like they took her out back into the parking lot. And... No, remember, because he's got to fall in love with that girl in Okinawa. Or... That's right. That's <laughs> was right. it Okinawa? Did I remember that? I didn't pull yeah. that from memory, did I? Yeah, it's Okinawa. It's Karate Kid 2 is when they go to Okinawa. And he falls in love with the girl there. Yeah, right? and we and we meet the, two of the greatest villains ever, Chozen and his uncle, the evil Sato. And Yogi. not Chozen. <laughs> yeah. Magi, you are coward. All anyway. right, we're going back to this. Anyway, uh, Don Coscarelli also directed one of my favorite films. It's not a great film, but it is, again, real fucking weird. And that's Bubba Hotep. Oh, yeah. I that's some good... Ooh, <laughs> that's some good <laughs> Bruce Campbell right there. <laughs> Mwah! <laughs> yes. Um, it was produced by Paul Pepperman, Donald B. Borchers, and Silvio Tabot, written by Don Cascarelli and Paul Pepperman, starring Mark Singer as Dar. Hey, do you know what else Mark Singer's been in? What else has he been in? V. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. He's done a lot of TV. You yeah. guys would recognize him. Um, Billy Jacoby as young Dar. Again, he's one of those... He was a kid that got a lot of work on TV. Yeah, he's a very familiar face, even if you don't know his name. Yeah. He's been in tons of stuff. He probably looks exactly like that, too, now when he's all older, and people are like, I know you from something, right? Right. Probably exactly. at the supermarket, he's like, I haven't worked in years. <laughs> please, do you know anybody? Can you please stop recognizing me move so I can mop the floor? Look, I'll do voiceover stuff. It doesn't matter. My parents took all my money. <laughs> I didn't know the word emancipation. I didn't know you could do that. It was 1982. Tanya Roberts is Kiri. Tanya Roberts was... Um, she did a Playboy spread when this movie came out because they convinced her to do that, right? And then yeah. she was in a bunch of TV as well, right? She didn't yeah. do anything else. And she's still around. You'll see her. She's still I think she was good. She was in a Bond movie. Yeah, she was in a Bond yeah. movie. I can't remember which one. I don't have font for knowledge. I think it was one of the Timothy Dalton ones, wasn't it? Or maybe. Maybe. I don't know. No, I don't. No, know it has no, to it be. Was, it was one of the Roger Moore ones. Yeah. Yeah. She seems like a Roger Moore speed. Yeah, Timothy Dalton's Bond would just coldly watch while someone killed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He Rip Torn as Mayax. Rip Torn. Oh, boy, Rip. Oh, thank you for doing this movie. Yeah. yeah. Rip Torn wanted his character of Mayax to look like a vulture, so he made him do a, like, a nose thing on his nose. Yeah. And that was what he thought a vulture was, because there's no <laughs> other vulture stuff. In it, as near as I can tell. Aren't they the ones with the big noses? For those of you who don't know, Rip Torn is a great actor, and he's a drunk and a crazy person. <laughs> he was, yes, yes. He was on the Larry Sanders show for many years. That's probably his best known... You know him. He's got this deep voice. Yeah. And it's kind of in the back. And he's like, I'll fucking punch you out. Like that. It's yeah, one of the few impressions that I have, guys. That's that's one hell of a Rip Torn you got going Well, there. thank you. <laughs> I actually burst blood vessels in the back of my head doing yes. it. You have to go way back to get it authentic. And here comes my rip-torn coughing fit. Gotta take a sip of drink. <laughs> anyway, he was cast as the main villain of this movie. Uh, I think they offered it to someone else. Oh, no. 
I'm forgetting something. Tanya Roberts was not the first person they wanted to play this part. Do you know who the first person they wanted to play this part was? I believe the director wanted Demi Moore. Yeah. So we would have seen Demi Moore's boobs all over the place. Years before (laughs) she became famous. How old is Demi Moore? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like 90, I guess? (laughs) (laughs) Because she seems to have been somewhere between 20 and 30 for the last 50 goddamn years. Yeah. Anyway. There is there is a painting of her in her attic, a cursed painting. <laughs> that boy, you just—it's shocking. <laughs> um, John Amos says, "Seth, you guys know John Amos probably from Good Times." Yeah, and also he was the forgotten Kunta Kinte. He's the yeah. older Kunta Kinte in Roots. Everybody yeah, remembers everyone LeVar, keep, Yeah, Lavar Burton gets all that stuff, but he was the old Kunta Kinte. Yeah, right. Anything else? He was in uh, other stuff. He's oh, he's been, been in, in tons TV of stuff. TV yeah. and a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, Josh Milrad as Tall. Rod Loomis as King Zed. Vanna Bonta as Zed's Queen. She doesn't have it. Does she have any dialogue? I don't think all? she says anything. Yeah, I don't think so either. Ben Hammer as Dar's father. He needed a name. Come on. I know. They could have just called him Ben Hammer in the movie. It would have been awesome. He was fucking awesome. Jeez Louise, he's the Paw Kent of this movie, and he doesn't even get a name in this fucking thing. Rip off. We'll get to that soon enough. Papa Dar. (laughs) Papa Dar. Ralph Strait as Sako. Tony Epper as Jun Leader. No dialogue. (laughs) No face. (laughs) No. (laughs) Nope. And Paul Reynolds as Tills. Tills? Who's Tills? I can't remember who Tills is. I don't either. Okay, anyway. Wow, and you've seen this movie like a million times. I know. Who the fuck is Tills? (laughs) Um, What's also left off this are uh, the three women who were told, hey, you're going to wear barely anything. They're like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with nudity. Don't worry, no one's going to recognize you, I promise. Because you're going to be witches. You're not, yeah, from the neck up, you're going to be different people. You're going to be the ultimate butterfaces. Don't worry. Yeah. You all just don't worry about it. I got a really weird idea. <laughs> I have this strange thing that I keep fantasizing about. Witch head model body. It's going to be awesome. Make it look more like my grandmother. It's going to, oh, going to freak out all the kids. <laughs> or give them a lifelong weird kink. <laughs> oh, no. I saw a real old lady naked, and it wasn't like that. Hello, Grandma. Who's your friend? (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Esther, is it? Nice to meet you. Anyway, music by Lee Holdridge. Cinematography by John Alcott. Edited by Roy Watts. Production company, Beastmaster Envy. Hmm, Hmm. I guess they formed just to make this movie. (laughs) What other movies did they produce? Ekta Film Production, which is a German company because there's a K in production, and film production is one word. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and GMBH and Company KG. Wow, it just fills the head with what they could be making. What are they making there at GMBH and Company KG? It sounds like a molecular compound, like GMBH. <laughs> it's like it's a, a date rape drug or something. Yeah. yeah. Distributed by MGM UA Entertainment Company. Release date, August 9th. No, sorry. August 19th, 1982. Mm-hmm. Running time, 118 minutes. Budget, $9 million. Box office, million. So I know they didn't really advertise this fucking thing, so it made a little bit of profit. It made its budget back at least, yeah. It didn't go into wide release. I think it opened opened in eight theaters at the time that they they put it out there. So yeah, it wasn't a whole bunch. 
Okay, Steve. Well, it looks like we got to get into this costume again. Let's go. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Put on your leather bikini. Ah, uh, yeah. Here you go. Here's your sword. Just swing it around like you don't even know what it is. Yeah, and like... I'm, I'm going to run and hack at water with it, too, yeah. for some reason. Shadow fight with the sword like you're being attacked by, by little people or bats. Because they're <laughs> you're just swinging it all over the place. <laughs> Nobody's going to attack me from the front. It's all going to come from below and above. Meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and put on this modified hockey mask with the bat wings on it. Oh, that Perfect. feels good. Yeah, you look good. This. Thank you. I look good. Yeah. I, I worship R. <laughs> <laughs> and let's run into the world wherever it is. I don't know where this takes place or if it's even on our own planet. It's a right, land Steve? of fantasy. It's a land of fantasy. And let's run into this land of fantasy, <laughs> the Beastmaster. Steve, take it away. Taxidermy credits. <laughs> what? Uh, the, the credits are over there. It, it's just, it's a really, okay, the opening credits are displayed <laughs> over still shots. Or not still shots, like they're motion shots. But it, they're, they're animals, but they're, they're taxidermy animals. They're taxidermied animals. They're stuffed animals. Yeah, and it's like so. Who did the Beastmaster have his friends stuffed when they died? <laughs> or like this is just weird. Once, Your once useful, you see the, the movie, usefulness to me is over. <laughs> once you see the movie, like you go back, you flash back to the credits. You're like, that was weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you get the opening credits over like taxidermy, like a taxidermied. It looks like a panther, but in the movie, it's a tiger. Yeah, uh, and like the eagle, and you see, it, and you yeah. get multiple shots of dead. Like one animals. of the grips, just yeah. standing there with his thing. He's all taxi. Up. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I didn't sign up for this. Um, but yeah. So that and then and then we meet after the credits. This is when we meet Rip Torn's character, Mister Spooky uh, Dude. Show up to town. Yeah. The gate opens up and they walk through town and then they walk into a pyramid thing and then we. Yeah, that's when we meet. Uh, yeah. Well, first Mayox. May- <laughs> or Mayax or Mayox. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and Mayax is there to consult with the Witchy Poos. And the Witchy yeah. Poos, there are three ladies. They got kicking bodies. You can see their butts all over the place because this is 1982 PG, guys, which means boobies and boobies and boobies and butts <laughs> and boobies. And so long as you don't show any blood, you can hack and stab and slice and chop. <laughs> Ah, uh, the simpler days. You can impale and you can dehydrate someone until their bones and they fall out of your wing membranes. <laughs> I'll bring that up later. <laughs> when did we become such such freaking sensitives about this, dude? This was PG in 1982. Would this get a PG rating now? Oh, shit, no. PG-13 <laughs> at least. You'd probably have to trim some stuff to get PG-13. Yeah, I was... Yeah. Let's see, this came out... In the, I was 13 years old. I saw it in a movie theater. Yeah. So, anyway, so the witchy poos there, they're looking in their bubble their bubble vision. They're, they have, like, a little television inside of a cauldron. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and Mayax is like, oh, I heard there's a prophecy. <laughs> what a do they tell him? prophecy, Larry. <laughs> what do they tell him? They tell him that the prophecy says that the son of the king, King Zed, mm-hmm. will grow up and kill him. So we don't have to do the movie now. <laughs> yes, that's that's right, Mayax. <laughs> it's all, all been right. taken care of. Great. 
No, well, the, the, the <laughs> thing is, over the, the end. The king, the king, the king doesn't have a son yet, but his wife is pregnant. Mm. So Mayax is like, "Well, this is perfect. We'll just go rip the baby out of her womb and we'll sacrifice it because we do that anyway." Actually, I think what he says is, "And he will die." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I love him so much. I love him so much in this movie, dude. He is eating scenery every... Oh. I mean, you can't... These scenes go long because he's constantly doing something whenever the camera is on him. Oh, There's yeah. never a neutral moment with Mayax. He is... The, he's like, this is my ham actor moment. <coughs> and I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. The witches are like, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do, you're fucked. You're, you're screwed, Blue. Blue. Yeah, it's prophecy, dude. Yeah. yeah. And then the king kicks the door in, and he's like, sup, I'm the king. And he's there with a guy that we'll find out later is Seth. Yeah. And he's wearing goofy armor. And the king's like, so... <laughs> I hear that you want to do some child sacrifices, huh? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah, be great. That's... Well... That's uh, gonna be a no can do on the child sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, I'm really I'm really not gonna let you do that. No. <laughs> I'm gonna describe it in detail now. No, no. <laughs> I'm gonna rip him out of the womb. I'm gonna brand him with my brand. And then poof into the fire. Ah. Then I'm gonna roast marshmallows in him. And so the king is understandably Yeah. You know. Upset, but not upset to the point where he just chops his head off. <laughs> no. He's like, go, get out, you're out, you're banished now. Come on, get lost, you child sacrificing nut. Yeah, I'm stupid to not recognize threats good, and I just happen to find you here in a spooky witch room. <laughs> yeah, like, was the king just going for a stroll? That sounds like Mayax in there. You know, I'm going to talk to him about that child sacrifice thing as long as I'm here. You literally just threatened the king's offspring? <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, you're on thin ice, mister. Okay, no more one more to kill my unborn child. Right. <laughs> but he says, get him out of here and then kick him out, right? Yeah, well, the, his, he has two of his priests hang themselves. Oh, that's right. And and the king is like, that's supposed to impress me? They have this um, thing that is like a little tiny spiky ball flower thing that's wrapped around their neck, and they threw it up into a beam. <laughs> yep. And then they just drop to their knees and choke to death. That's a pretty powerful little ball thingy to support someone's yeah. weight. Mayax is like, huh, what do you think of that? <laughs> huh? The King's, See? Like, the King's like, get him out of here. Yeah, that's just weird. I'm not even scared. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm weirded out by you. Yeah, you're just going, bye-bye, leave. What do you don't get? I don't care. You're not going to do anything, right? And as he's <laughs> being escorted out of town, he sees another one of them witchy-poos. And she's got him. She's got a cow. Yeah. And he's like, eh, you know, you're the backup. And she's like, got it. <laughs> We're going plan B. So here's plan D. Later that evening, King is in bed with his wife. And and the witchy poo <laughs> Go sneaks ahead. into their bedchamber with a cow. <laughs> with the cow literally right behind her. A stealth cow that makes no noise. <laughs> Shh, come on. It'll be okay. It'll be great. She then pours some blue liquid over their throats while they're sleeping so they can't make no more, more noise, right? Yeah. And then Witchy Poos does some hokum pokum that she learned at Hogwarts, which can okay. trans move a baby from the mommy into the cow, right? Yeah. Fe fetus see, transportus or something. Yeah. yeah. And so she says, the, usually I charge for this to make problems go away, but... <laughs> <laughs> but she makes the baby go away in the mommy. 
And then the mommy dies, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess. No, she yeah. can't. She can't die. She can't. Oh, no, she wait, can't that's die. right, because, yeah, we find out later, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the baby goes into the, the cow, and then the witch, like, leaves with the cow, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she builds this big blue fire, and she cuts the baby out of the cow, and then she brands the baby on its hand, right? Yeah. And then just as she's about to stab the baby, what happens, Steve? There's a guy passing by, huh? and he's like, hey, she's not going to throw that baby in the fire, is she? Paul Kentis shows up. Paul, yeah. And he pulls this, he has a throwing weapon, like a boomerang. Because right. he called, doesn't waste any time. He's like, whoa, what's going on here? I know That's how to fix weird. this. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like that lady's going to stab that baby. <laughs> so he throws his thingy. Yeah. And it, it, it hits the, the witch in the back. Yep. And he runs out, and the witch uh, the witch disappears, right? Yeah, like he the pulls the, the thing out, yeah. his little boomer blade, yeah. and he pulls it out, and the cloak falls to the ground. And yeah. he's got a free baby. Yay, free baby. Yay! Cut to <laughs> him uh, showing up at, at the, the village. Yeah, he's like, check it out, got a baby. <laughs> free baby. <laughs> and Everyone's all happy. like, cool baby, all yeah, right. Yay, <laughs> Geppetto got his kid. Yay. Um, <clears throat> so then we cut to a little bit in the future, and yeah. Dar's grown up a little bit, and his dad is teaching him how to sword fight. Right? right. And then he's like, check this out, and he shows him the boomer blade, and he's like, see my friend over there? I'm going to risk his life. <laughs> and he, he goes, hey, idiot! And the idiot goes, what? <laughs> and he throws the boomer blade, and it takes his hat off and sticks it into a tree, and they think it's hilarious, yeah. right, Steve? Yeah, he's like, oh, great, thanks, asshole, that's my one hat. And while he's laughing, and he's, the other guy's trying to get his hat, what happens? Oh, the other guy gets pulled into the woods by uh, some first, powerful force. First, Dar goes, uh-oh, my bear sense is tickled. Oh, right, yeah, because he can, yeah. And he tells his dad, let's go, and then they fall over each other, and yeah. the dad goes, I've hurt my leg. <laughs> oh, shit, really, Dad? And then the guy gets sucked into a bush, and the bush chews on him for a little bit, and then spits him out. <laughs> and then out from the bush comes a dancing bear. <laughs> yep. There's a bear walking as high as it can on its oh, hind boy. legs. Yeah. Because they couldn't get a big bear. They got the bear that could stand up. <laughs> and it comes it comes tap dancing out. <laughs> Hi everybody. It's me, the dancing bear that kills people. <laughs> I can do two things. I can dance Guess or I what can they kill. Are. Here's a little soft shoot. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Just helps to take the edge off of the mullen, you know. <laughs> so, uh, Badar uh, syncs up with the bear. Yeah. And tells the bear, please go away. And the bear just goes, okie dokie, and he walks away. <laughs> Whatever. And then uh, Pa Kentis says, don't, okay, look, you're weird. Don't let anybody <laughs> know that you're weird, okay? Could you do that for me? He's like, yes, father. Now go tell everybody that the dancing bear has claimed another victim. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare the customary funeral rites. We've been through this before. The dancing bear has graced us with his presence when again I'll praise the dancing bear. <laughs> we love you, bear. And so he goes running back, and now we cut again to when? Uh, the... Apparently much later, because now Dar is Mark Singer. Yeah, and he's blonde now, because he was brunette before. Yeah, sun-bleached. <laughs> and, um... You know, this story is nothing like Superman at all. Well, why would you even bring that up? It's totally different. It's totally different. 
we find now the village has like a big tall uh, like wooden wall around it um, which would be great if they didn't then build all of their homes on top of stilts that are above the wall yeah making them really good targets for fire arrows <laughs> yeah I mean yeah and the, the the one that Mar- the one that Dar is in when we first see the character because his dog is barking up at him because he's right. got this cute little white dog just barking yeah. he's like hey Dar it's time to work out in the field stupid and he's like <laughs> okay I'll be right down when we see that thing and he's moving around in it that thing looks like it's about three seconds from falling right over it yeah. wobbles dangerously <laughs> yeah let's get the shot and get him the hell out of there we don't have insurance mm-hmm. yep. He gets down, says hi to his dog, says hi to his dad, says hi to townspeople. <laughs> Everything's Gra- okay. Yeah, grabs his <laughs> hoe, goes out, because they're all weed farmers. Yeah, As sure. I can tell, yeah. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they go they go up on a hill and they just hack away at the dirt. <laughs> yeah. but And then he plays fetch with his dog, and the dog gets a stick, and then he stops, and he's like... Things are coming, and Dar goes up and he looks, and there's a really unconvincing cloud. <laughs> a smear in the background. Why it was not a practical effect of just some guy with a blower blowing things, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody suggested that at the premiere, and the director punched him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then he says, Juns! And they all start running towards the village, and we're all yeah. like, Juns? What are Juns? And then we see them, and we're like, oh, Juns. Oh, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those. The dancing bear is like, well, fuck the Juns! You're <laughs> on your own! <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the bear has one side, his own. <laughs> the bear don't risk his fur for nobody. <sighs> they see the Juns, and they're all bad. They look like they're right out. It's like it's almost like the gang from the Road Warrior ran out of cars. And they yeah, all just exactly. like, let's just get on horses. Fuck it. Yeah, shit. Fuck it. The lead Jun guy is a guy, he's got a mask with bat wings and, like, skulls on top, and he's bad, right? Oh, boy, he's super bad. But, you know, Pa Kentis, whoo, he's a badass. Yeah, he's like, I got this. And he walks up there, there's no discussion or anything, takes out his sword, draws a line in front of him, and then just cocks his arm back and waits for it to be... <laughs> I'm like, you have none of the skills to back that up, that boast up. You just doomed everybody here, dude. You're like, maybe they I... just wanted maybe they just wanted directions. Right. Like, oh exactly. there's a town, maybe we could get directions back to Archon. And they're like, like What the fuck did that guy just do? Did well, he just challenge me? It's basically flipped you off, Joan the, Leader. Dude. I was we just going to ask reputation. for some water. Now I'm gonna have to kill your whole fucking town. We kinda have a reputation, man. Ugh. You know, it's like everyone wants to beat you because you're supposed to be the best. (laughs) Don't complain to me because you developed this reputation over the ages. Jesus Christ. This is why I I said we shouldn't go riding. You know what? Light the fire arrows, I guess. I mean, (laughs) this is just going to have to happen. Mm -hmm. They run him down immediately. Yeah. Okay. Kentis is killed in the first... I mean, maybe that was his plan. He's like, this can't go well, so I may as well die early. <laughs> they're, they're not torturing me. Yeah. <laughs> they come in, they're ripping off ladies' tops and stabbing people and setting things on fire. And some of the some of the villagers are getting the better. They pull this guy from a horse and start yeah. beating him. And But then Dar and the guys show up, and uh, Dar tries to fight, and he gets knocked out, right? Yeah. And then his... Mm, his dog drags and then him to safety. And his dog licks his face yeah. and starts dragging him to safety. And then the Juns do something that will guarantee that you don't care how many of them get killed or how <laughs> they get killed or who kills 
kills them just so long as they're fucking dead by the end of the movie, right? Exactly, Steve? exactly. They they shoot an arrow into the dog. Oh, and then what does the dog do? The dog keeps dragging Dar to safety. <laughs> you fucker movie, fuck <laughs> you. Damn you. So, yeah. <coughs> Dar wakes up to a hallucination. Like he's flying, That's right? right, yeah. And then he steps out of it and he looks... The dog not only drew, dragged him to the safety, he dragged him like to the next county. Yeah. And then died. So he wakes up to a dead dog. And then he goes into his dead village, which has been burned to the ground. And there's lots of dead people lying around, including Paw Kentis. Yeah. And a lot of people have been impaled, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have been impaled on their the very poles they used to hold up their homes. Yeah. <laughs> Take PG. that. PG. <laughs> That'll teach you to draw a line at me, you fucks. <laughs> Tell your friends. Star finds his father's sword, and he finds his boomer boomer blade thing. Yeah. And he changes his costume altogether, so now he's got the, the leather thing around his genital area. <laughs> it's a boots. battle skirt. And he and he gets his 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 uh, battle purse, yeah. which uh, he wears all the time. <laughs> and he assembles all the people into the symbol of the town, and he puts the dog down on top of his daddy. <laughs> he puts their arms around each other. <laughs> Fuck you, movie. <laughs> and then he sets them on fire, and then he realizes I can see through this hawk. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so now he figured out, hey, I can see through the hawk, and the hawk flies around, and the hawk's flying through canyons, and the hawk's flying through a bunch of stuff, and it was, and also this neat shot where the hawk flies past him, so he can see himself right. as the hawk flies past. And when I was watching it, I was like, hey, this is like 30, 40 years before we have drone technology. How the fuck are they shooting this? <laughs> right? A, a very brave <laughs> helicopter pilot. No, because there's no, um, with the problem with helicopters is they generate a huge amount of wind. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. And there's no wind when he flies past uh, Dar. There's no there's no dust up. So I'm like, okay, so how did you guys shoot this? Well, it turns out you just put the camera on there and then you do a, a you, you focus, you do a wide. You know, yeah. you, you tighten in and then you fly and then the wind does a box. It's a technical thing. <sighs> Just put a know. GoPro on the bird, dude. I'm just, <laughs> just put a GoPro on the bird. Anyway, so um oh, the, the other thing we forgot to mention is that after the Juns are all done, who shows up, Steve? Oh, uh Mayok shows up. Yeah, the priests yeah. Yeah. and May Mayok shows up. Yeah. It's like ah, I love the smell of. I can't do this. It's going to destroy my <laughs> throat. You won't. You won't get through the next. Yeah. <coughs> anyway, so um, crypto's dead. Pocentus yeah. <laughs> is dead. Town dead. But I mean, it kind of balances out because he's got a magic bird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's 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 down a family and a dog and and mm -hmm. a town, but he's got a bird. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And then uh, while the bird flies around looking at him, Darth does some log aerobics. That's right. Up on the up on the hill where he's just got a log and he's just kind of swinging it around like he's practicing for the Olympics because it's going to be a big, you know, log twirling is going to be a major Olympic event and he's, he's practicing <laughs> for it. Um, then, uh oh, what happened, Steve? Well, this is is this this is where he meets the ferrets, right? Yeah, a couple yeah. of long rats steal his stuff. <laughs> they steal it. It's like a reenactment of a scene from Grizzly Man. <laughs> Stop it! Only instead Don't. of a fox, it's a couple of clever ferrets, and they Stop take it. like his. Why did his... you have to bring up that movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought of it. How instantly come he didn't bring it up during the the dancing bear scene? <laughs> 
because I'm fairly certain that's how that guy viewed bears in his head. (laughs) Exactly. Look at him. He's up on his hind feet. Hello, Timothy. It gives you some comfort to know that in his final moments, he thought the bear was giving him a hug. No, he didn't. That's how deluded Um, he was. No, no. I I know. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) You must destroy this tape. Do not hit. Do not listen to it. Do not let anyone else hear it. But first, let me listen to it again, please. Give it. Just. I just. I will dub a copy. It was only for myself. Yeah, I need it to. It will help me fall asleep. Oh, yeah. I'm fairly Any. certain our audience doesn't need the explanation to those jokes or to the <laughs> filmmaker we're referencing, right? If, yeah. If, if you need the backstory to that, then you're listening to the wrong show. Then listen to any of our other podcasts. <laughs> Werner Herzog shows up all the time. Oh, boy. It's like in Riff Tracks when they make Baconator jokes. It's like, oh, here they go again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so the long rats try to steal the stuff. Yeah. Then he falls into some quicksand. Yeah. And then he talks to the ferrets, and they chew a branch down, and he gets out, right? Yeah, and one of the ferrets falls in, and he fishes him out. After it's drowning. (laughs) Eventually, he fishes it out. Oh, look, it's still alive. How about that? (laughs) Meanwhile, the other one is up there going, dude, dude, (laughs) dude. Literally just saved your life. Hey. Huh? (laughs) But he saves them, and then what what does he call them? He names them Kodo and Podo. Oh, they're cute. I know. They're cute and illegal in California. (laughs) And one of the producers kept two of them as pets from the ones they purchased for the... The rest wound up as meat or (laughs) costumes. I don't know. (laughs) Joking. Please don't get upset by that. That is a joke. They became one of Alexis's raps on Dynasty. (laughs) The producers did keep a couple. Okay, so then we get the, the Juns are harassing a tiger... Yeah. Like a black tiger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, then um, Dar shows up and he's like, stop, you're bad. And they're like, no, we're evil. We're, no, you don't tell us what to do with tigers. And the tiger's all staked out. And he frees the tiger and then he hugs that man to death. <laughs> <laughs> and then they become friends and he names him... <laughs> he names him... <laughs> I'm not. That's almost close. Doesn't isn't he just technically Rue? Rue, I think, is this the name. Yeah. But the way he pronounces it is. Yeah. Well, he's trying to you know he's trying to speak to the tiger on the tiger's level. You know. Yeah, just like when he talks to the bird, it's the most oh. ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my it's entire the, life. It's the best part of this movie. Whenever he, <laughs> whenever he he talks to the bird and he does like his his half-ass bird it's call. Like, squawk, and, squawk. The director's like, Mark, I love that. I want you to do that like five more times. <laughs> anyway, so now he takes inventory. And he's like, I got my eyes, which is my hawk friend. I got my cunning, which is Kodo and Poto. I got the strength, which is my tiger. Now all I need is some tail. <laughs> nice. Thank you, 1982 PG. You're awesome. I got to say that right now because this, I, ooh, I was 13 years old. <laughs> and we didn't care if 13-year-olds saw tits, did we, Steve? No. Post-pubescent Teenagers, thank you, 1980s. <laughs> he comes upon two ladies skinny dipping, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And he's like, hey, I'm going to trick this woman into sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use my newfound gifts for evil. Yeah, Kodo and Poto, go steal her clothes, kind of. Yeah. And they go and they kind of steal her stuff, and she puts on her top. And, 
like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he, uh, she runs into, and he shows up and he's like, that, that, that tiger's dangerous. Be careful. And then he makes a big show about scaring the tiger away, which just barely listens to him. Yeah, I'm not going to do this for you again, dude. And then he's like, I want to kiss. And he starts kissing on her without her permission. And she's like, fuck you, and knocks him over and then pins him down. And she's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm darn. I'm awesome. And then he, they flip it over again. And he's like, okay, who are you? And she's like, I'm a slave and I'm going to die. And you're really ruining my only day away from slavery. Thanks, <laughs> asshole. You asshole. This is like my last day with my best friend, and now I'm getting almost raped by some guy who talks to animals. Thanks a lot, guy. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, whatever, I'm a slave. Fuck you. And she walks off, right? Yeah. Despite the fact that he's got a tiger and a hawk and a whole bunch of other things that he could use to track this lady, she disappears. (laughs) Yep, and then he says, hey, we should find her. (laughs) Yeah, so they go looking, and they don't find her, do they, Steve? No, they don't. Mm-hmm. What, what do they find, Steve? <laughs> well, they find uh, this... A Christmas tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a big, creepy Christmas there's tree. There's a big, creepy Christmas tree. Uh, and there's a guy in a cage. Yeah, just and, hanging out. And there's like a, like a, a, a statue, like a little statue of a bird... Yeah. And a, and a cauldron with some weird, like, liquid in it. A, a cauldron with what in it? Oh, and there's a, hey, yeah, he, he, he kind of pokes it's at the head cauldron. Soup. And it's, and it, uh, yeah, a head floats up, and he's like, oh, yeah. no, I'm not hungry. It's head soup. And what else? Um, and a bunch of scary bat people. <laughs> That's right. So, first, Dar, Dar lets the guy out of the cage, and he runs away. And then one of the bat people grab him in his, their big membranous wing things. And there's a lot of and sucking sounds and grossness and a lot of stuff. And then he opens his bat wings up and bones spill out all over the ground. Right, Steve? Isn't that neat? So can I ask a question, Steve? Yeah, what? Why are they making soup? Because, you know, for like a side dish. (laughs) No. Why are they making soup if that's how they eat? Well, because they get, you know, they don't eat... They don't, they don't have everything. mouths. They don't have mouths, Steve. Are they just going to pour it on their chest? Oh, yeah. this is great soup. Maybe they take like a bath in it. Maybe the soup is for guests. Maybe if Dar <laughs> had stuck around, they would have offered him some. Yeah, so we're like, oh no, he's going to get eaten by these gross things. But, thankfully, bird saves the day. That's right. Because right. yeah, apparently they worship birds and Dar's bird flies down and they, lands they on top of their bird black statue. They eagle and he happens to have a black eagle. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, you're cool. You can go. Yeah. Oh, and here's some jewelry. Yeah, they give him like a medallion with a bird on it. Who made that? I don't know. Who made the medallion, Steve? I don't know. Is there one of them that's a blacksmith? I don't know. <laughs> or a jeweler? There's one. Yeah, well, you. <laughs> they can have which, hobbies. Which one of the gross be- <laughs> bat things made the obelisk with the just, eagle on it? Just because they're flesh-dissolving bat people doesn't mean they can't have hobbies. Did they show up in town and go, Yes, how much for one of your biggest cauldrons, please? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it um, probably just fell off of one of the people they devoured a few years ago, and they were like, "Oh, cool, a bird. That's neat. We like birds. Yeah, we like birds. We'll put that up there." And oh, look, it's got a medallion of. Would they just collect things with birds on it? <laughs> exactly. Got another bird thing, y'all. Check it out. <laughs> put it in the bird pile. We love it. <laughs> um, 
So uh, Dar is like, well, that was weird. And then he shows up at a city. Yeah. It's got a pyramid, and it's got a death road, and it's got a moat full of tar. Yeah. It's great. Basically, the death road is like, well, remember the guys when we did Spartacus at the end of Spartacus? Ooh, yeah. Like five months after the end of Spartacus. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like you would imagine the long driveway leading up to Vlad the Impaler's house would look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he comes out every once in a while. We need to spruce up the corpses on the road. <laughs> More flesh. These are just bones. <laughs> um, so he gets there. The moat is, is full of tar, right? Yeah. He turns to the tiger and he says, go hide. Go hide because you're kind of conspicuous. <laughs> I'm not going to try to explain you. <laughs> and he kind of disguises himself in a robe. And as he's walking up to the pyramid, unless you're paying attention, you'll hear what is actually going on between um, Mayax and the Jun, right? Yeah. Because he's like, hey, everybody, I can't. I just can't. I'll destroy my voice. <laughs> He's like, hey, if I sacrifice these children to R, R will protect us from the June Horde. Isn't that cool? <laughs> when in truth, I work with the June Horde, and I'm using you as the threat so that I can keep chucking children into this <laughs> fire at the top of the pyramid for some reason. <laughs> it's just my jam. I just, that's what I like to do. <laughs> he does like to do it. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> we get there, and he just throws one of the cutest kids you've ever seen directly into the fire. <laughs> and it's like, R said, we need to do another one. Yeah, did you think I was fucking with you? <laughs> I was a boy, we need a girl. Yeah, so he grabs a little girl. Mm -hmm. He's got, he climbs up to put the little girl, the guy who has the little girl, the father is freaking out. And um, Dar sees that Kiri, the woman, the slave girl that we were yeah. talking about before, the one that got away, she's up there now, too. Yeah. And she sees him, and she, she's like, oh, just guy that ruined my day off and he's like hi and then uh the bird <laughs> so he <laughs> he throws the kid in but it, he misses he misses the yeah. fire that's right in front of him so now he's got to push the kid with his skull staff into the fire like that's getting on fire it's all right i can fix this the bird comes down, grabs the kid somehow. Yeah. Somehow. This bird that is smaller than the child <laughs> then flies away with him in its talons. Yep. Kind of. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to go with that. That's, the, <laughs> that's the impression we're meant to have. <sighs> and so what we see is briefly we see a bird fly away with something that could be a pile of rags, might be a kid. <laughs> Then everyone falls down and starts worshipping because this kid got saved. And then we cut to a shot of the bird obviously dragging... <laughs> it's an animated body that's just yeah. kind of trailing after the bird. Everyone's worshipping except for Dar, who's standing there. Yeah. Kiri's like, oh, he's a badass. <laughs> and Mayax is like... <laughs> but then he corrects. He, he thinks on his feet and he's like, see, oh, yeah. the gods have saved the child. <laughs> no, he didn't. He said, see... R wants your children! <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he makes it work for him. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay, so that night, Dar is like a reverse Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a sack. 
And it's filled with children, filled and he gives children. his gifts to parents. Yeah, he, he has one of the ferrets, like, sniff out what the right house is. Yeah. And then yeah. he knocks on the door, and the father opens it, and he's like, I found something you lost. Uh-huh. And, and he gives the kid. The kid. Yeah. And the, the parents are like, ah, welcome, please come in. My name is Exposition. You can call me Expo for short. <laughs> I'm going to tell you everything that happened, okay? So here's what happened. Uh, Mayax totally fucking, he got our king and he's locked him up and he's taken over everything. And he's the only thing that keeps the June horde away. And, uh, <laughs> and there's nothing we can do, all right? Don't look at me that way. <laughs> and, and Dar's like, what about the babe on the pyramid? And he's like, oh, that's, that's Carrie. She's, uh, the cousin? No, no, that doesn't come out yet. No, not yet. He's like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking She's about. She's a slave girl, yeah. She's just a slave girl. And then we cut back, and uh-oh, Mayax has recognized, uh, the, recognized Dar as the kid. Yeah. He's like, oh! Oh, this sucks. Here, get some jewelry. <laughs> and he gives him, <laughs> gives like him a, to do some jewelry, and it's got a gross eye inside of yeah, it. Yeah, the eye ring, yeah. And then they go out, and they're gonna murder, they're gonna murder Dar. Yeah. Then the ring's gonna watch while they all masturbate while we're looking at the cauldron TV. <laughs> Uh, but that doesn't work too good because then Rue kills one of the guys because they slip like a rope around Dar's neck and they're choking yeah. him and another guy comes up and he's going to shoot him with an arrow and then the tiger shows up and kills a guy and then chases after the other guy and then he falls into the <sighs> he falls into a big hole yeah tiger trap covered up as a trap <laughs> who did that why uh, is that there yeah and how convenient that the tiger just happened to run directly across it <laughs> of all the places he could run. <coughs> and you're like, what? How? Where? What's going on? But thankfully, Little John shows up. Yes. I mean, Seth. Seth. Yes. This guy wearing a cloak and he's got a staff. And uh, the dude on the horse comes back and Seth beats him up. Yeah. And then, uh, and then basically just murders him by kicking him into the pit with the tiger. <laughs> yeah. You play with the tiger now. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, and then, and then Rue hugs him to death. <laughs> and uh, Dar shows up. He's like, come and get my tiger out. And so they drop a log down there. That sounds wrong. They, they, <laughs> like they, literally, like a big tree. They, yeah, they put a big tree. That's I can't. It sounds weird. They move a big log yeah. into the hole that, <laughs> that the tiger could. The I tiger said dropped a big log. I'm sticking with They both dropped a big log. <laughs> and the tiger ran up the log the, they dropped. <laughs> Anyway, he's like, stranger, who are you? And he's like, oh, bye. He's like, I, I hate those guys. And they're like, we hate those guys, too. And then they... <laughs> let's be friends. Around, yeah, let's be friends. So they sit around there, and we find out that Seth used to be the captain of the guard, and that this is Tall. Yeah. And Tall is the son of the king, which means that he's his brother. Yeah. And then they're all, and he's like, check out what my my little thieves can do. They steal stuff. And he dumps out this bag, and it's got a bunch of stuff in it, and it's got the eye ring, but it's also got this this kind of necklace thing that the Kiri was wearing. Yeah. And he was like, well, how'd you get that? He's like, some slave girl had it. And he's like, what? And he walks <laughs> off, and he's like, what's his fucking problem? And Tal's like, oh, that's my cousin Kiri, which means that she is Dar's cousin as well. Yep. <laughs> Let's keep that in mind as we move forward in the plot, shall we? Uh, because Dar doesn't ever seem to grasp the significance of that. <laughs> nope! <laughs> so, um, unless, of course, 
No, that's not possible. They're yeah. They're still related. Possible. They're still definitely yeah. related. They're yeah. still they're still cousins. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> uh what happens then? Uh he puts the raw eye ring on and the eye looks around. Yeah. Right? And um then Dar meditates so loud that he wakes up t- <laughs> Tall and he's like, "Hey, I saw a bunch of people walking. We got that's it. What do we do? Kill them? Okay, great. Then they decide to go <laughs> kill them, right? Yeah. Next day we're on a lake and they're all disguised as lake guys. <laughs> I don't know. I know. It's one of the dumbest boats ever. It's the kind of boat where you pull a rope right. across it. It's right? like yeah, exactly. The priests show up with the sacrifice ladies and then they kill uh, almost all of them except for three of them and they tie them up and they put it and they chain them to a, a jug on the on the boat but then other guys show up right yeah and they're like ah oh, we gotta get out of here and they start moving the thing and then because they save sex cousin and they save everybody they save the other girls and they go away and then they're like they're going to get away and then someone says lighten the load and kiri then kicks the thing <laughs> <laughs> and the people go off too and the people go off too, but fuck them, they're child murderers, exactly. so they get everything, yeah. Have fuck fun you. drowning, you shits. <laughs> <laughs> so then Seth goes, I gotta go f- get an army in two days, bye, and he leaves. He said, I'll be back in two days, I'm gonna go get an army or something, right? Right, yeah. So then the bird shows back up at Exposition's house, and now Exposition is an ungrateful coward. Right. He's like, no, don't bother me. Come on, no. I know I said I would do anything to help, but I mean, that was like yesterday. Yeah. And then we find, uh uh-oh, the witchy poos and Max can see stuff with the eye ring. Mm -mm -mm. Mm-mm-mm. Isn't it amazing that nobody ever seems to notice the kid wearing a gigantic ring with a gigantic eyeball? (laughs) Just looking around. (laughs) Just staring at everything. They're like, oh, what won't they come up with next? (laughs) And so they're going to go, He gets. they get Expo to take them to the Evil Pyramid. Yeah. Right? And they go to get into the Evil Pyramid, and then there's this hallway, and it's filled with S&M gimps, <laughs> which is just, they're guys, oh boy. Okay, so they're guys, <laughs> how do we explain this, Steve? What the hell are they? They're, uh, they're called... They're S&M guys. <laughs> yeah, they're called Death Guards, and they're just like, they're like really pissed off, like, zombie people who just attack anything that they see. Yeah, we get to watch yeah. what somebody get turned into one. Yeah. Because at some point, Kira just kind of wanders off and goes into a secret passage and comes back, like, wearing even skimpier clothing than when she left in. Yeah. But now she's got a dagger or something. Because it turns out she's one of the armorless warrior ladies stuff sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway they're like we need to get those keys that are down there and they're looking down there and they're turning the priests are turning one of the dudes into one of the death guards right yeah yeah and then yeah so uh dar they pour they pour evil liquid into his ear and they drop a couple of leeches in there and that drives him crazy and then they put a mask on him so they can never eat again or drink (laughs) Uh, you know they're it's a short-term game they burn out quick but what are you gonna do (laughs) there's plenty more where that came from and um, the priests get distracted by Kodo and Poto who are trying to steal the keys, right? Right, yeah, because he Mission Impossible's the ferrets down, like, to get yeah. the keys. Yeah. And uh, because they're bad at their jobs, they did not tie down the Death Guard, the berserker guy whose armor is weaponry. Yeah. And he just starts killing everybody in the room and and chops at the, the rope so that Kodo and Poto are now down on the ground. They get the keys. They're yeah. down on the ground now. And now they're trapped in a room with the murder man. <laughs> and they're like running through his legs and stuff. And they get out. And the murder man knocks down the door and starts chasing him down a hallway. 
And Dar is like, oh, I'll be fine. <laughs> they know where to meet us. Mm-hmm. So now they finally, because they're there to, to find the king, right? They're yeah. To save the king. They get in there, King's down there, he's blind and stupid and mute and he's not talking or nothing, right? Right. <laughs> and so they, and then all of a sudden the door closes. And oh no, what, there's a witchy poo outside and it's a witchy poo and it's, and it's a may axe. Yeah. And he's like, we'll sacrifice him in the morning. And then <laughs> the tiger shows up and he's like, let's get in that room. And so they get to go into the room with them, right? And close yeah. the door. Meanwhile, the the tiger's outside going, uh, hello, can they come in, please? And, like, <laughs> and then we have a witchy poo attack. Yeah. And she she blows some pixie dust into, into, into Dar. Dar's eyes. And then she does this weird wall crawl thing where she crawls up a thing. And it looks like she's going to drop down on top of him. But then what does he do, Steve? Uh, he, uh, he sees through the tiger's eyes so he can tell where she is. And he stabs yep. her while she's up on the ceiling. Yeah. Turns her into a witchy poo kebab. <laughs> And then she disappears, because they all disappear. Yeah. Right? And then Mayax is like, fuck! <laughs> Didn't see that coming. And then, and then the tiger knocks the door down, and he's like, fuck! <laughs> but then he jumps down and escapes through a door in the prison cell. <laughs> How did that work, Steve? How? Why? That is Why just, was that? That's just planning ahead. <laughs> Forever trapped in a prison cell, we need a way to get out of there. Meanwhile, Kodo and Poto are still on mission. Yeah. They still have the keys, and they're still being chased by the berserker thing. Yes, and they're running that through. Is... They're running through a pipe that helpfully has big pieces missing from it, so we can follow uh-huh. their progress through the pipe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> so they uh, put a thing around the king, King Zed. That's the name of the king. Uh, put a you know blindfold on him, not a blindfold, just to cover up his gross eye sockets. Yeah. And they're going to escape through the skull hatch, which is this big rock shaped <laughs> like a skull. That you winch up, and then you, you can get it and it leads you out of town, right? Right. Okay, so um, then the priests show up, and they close the door and lock it. And like, okay, you guys go, and I'll take your... I'll st- I gotta stay here and wait for Koto and Poto. Yeah. Because I'm not an asshole and I care about my friends. How about how about that? Weird, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I know you think of them as animals, but they're my friends, and fuck you for looking at me that way. Just go. Yeah, they are and- ferrets. What? Yeah, and Kiri's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And they get in there, and as it seems like they're going to bust through the thing, he chops off the thing and makes the... He seals himself in the room, Steve. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you know, that's That didn't seem like a very smart thing to do there, Dar. And then in a clever payoff, um, you show the priest outside, ball banging on the door, and around the corner, down the hallway, comes Kodo and Poto. And you know for a fact that there is something chasing Kodo and Poto. <laughs> yeah. And it's the Berserker Man. Koto Pogo go underneath this thing of the door, and the Berserker Man kills everybody in that hallway. <laughs> but Kiri didn't leave. No, she showed up. Yeah, she comes back. She's like, hey, I'm back. Hi, I pulled this rope out of my butt, and we're going to scale down the wall. Let's go. And they go through the air vents, right? Yeah. Because this is Die Hard now. <laughs> right, exactly. And the Death Guard is there, and he's, like, swiping at the rope. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to kill you yet, you intruders. You stupids. You stupids, you bad people. <laughs> You're bad people and I hate you. And they get up, they get up, and then they start rappelling down, right? Yeah. And But then the uh, Berserker thing finds the rope and he starts smashing at it with his gauntlet weapons. 
And then he calls, and then Dar calls his bird. The bird comes down, starts biting at his neck. <laughs> or if you you can also look at it this way, the man grabs hold of the bird's claw talons and holds the bird onto his head. <laughs> you could see it that way. And then he falls and dies. But the rope is breaking. Uh-oh. And Dar's like, you gotta get down. He's like, the rope is breaking. You gotta get down. The rope breaks. They fall and they are saved by the three to four inches of hay that are in the back of Exposition's <laughs> cart. Thank goodness. They uh, now have to skip the city. So they're riding for the gate, right? Yeah. And the gate is, uh, the gate is closed. The priests are coming and they got more of the death guards. Expo says my favorite line in this entire movie, which is, Now we are dead! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the support, buddy. But (laughs) Dara's like, no, and he he ties a rope around Kodo and Poto, who haven't already done enough. (laughs) He gets the bird to fly him up onto the thing to bite through the ropes for the counterbalance so that the gate will open so they can get out. Huh, and then the guard sees Kodo and Poto, and he lines one up. He stretches one out to chop it in half. Yes. And then Kodo goes right up the guy's skirt and bites his nuts for the win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he screams so bad and jerks, and he cuts the rope, and the gate opens, and then they jump. Kodo and Poto jump onto the cart and then get away. Whew. Oh yeah, an epic gate close. Yeah, the this people. This is also chasing. one of my favorite yeah. things in this fucking movie. <laughs> Three of the Death Guards are running up when the gate starts falling back down again. They all skid out, and they all get impaled by the spikes at the bottom of the gate. PG movie, guys. (laughs) That's what you get, you bad people. Yep. Well, it's not their fault. They were turned into Hey, they knew what they were signing up for. (laughs) (laughs) So now we go back to the camp, and Seth has gotten, what, 35 people to storm the city? Uh, Yeah, and the king is like... Let's go. The king is crazy, ungrateful, and a dick. Yeah. We're going to go have a war. Yeah. He's like, I'm I'm not I'm not doing this for revenge, even though I say things that are obviously about revenge. And Dar's like, hey, you know what? This might be a bad idea, because as soon as we kill him, those Juns are going to come, and we can't fight them. He's also, by the way, he's wrong. Anyway, <laughs> but, but the king's like, fuck you, animal dude. I don't care that I don't know that you're my son. Fuck you, you freak. Why don't you go fucking fuck your animals somewhere, you fucking freak? <laughs> fuck you, oh god, I touched you. Ugh. I may be blind, but I'm not at least I'm not some animal fucking freak. And people are like, Jesus, I don't remember the king being like this. <laughs> Captivity changed him, you know? I thought he was gonna be smart and cool and he's not. He's a f- he's a mean guy and he made Dar cry. Yeah, Dar just he he leaves. He's like, Alright, fine, whatever. And he cries. Yeah. Because he was literally called a freak. It's like, I, then, I saved your life five minutes ago. Yeah. Kiri shows up, and she's like, I gotta obey what he does. And he's like, I wanna fuck you, though. And he's like, yeah, I know. There's something, it feels wrong somehow, but I can't put my finger on why. <laughs> Some kind of social taboo? I don't know. So I don't know what it is. It's weird. But when I kiss you, I feel like I'm kissing my cousin. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> Don't know it's why like it kind of like that way, after you've seen it and you rewatch, you know, The Empire Strikes Back when Lake and Luke, kid, Luke and Leia kiss. It's kind of like that feeling. It's like ew. But there's no way we're related, right, Kiri? <laughs> Kiri, of course not. <laughs> Gotta go. I serve the king. Goodbye. Uh huh. So then the king is openly talking about his plans to Seth while the ring is looking at him. Seth sees that the ring is looking at him, picks up a burning piece of thing for out of the fire, and then burns the, the <laughs> eye ring. That's right. <laughs> that burns the eye of one of the witches. 
And he's like, um, pretty sure Mayox knows everything we're going to do. And the king's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Just do what I told you. Seth is like, fuck. Uh, fuck. Okay. God damn it. <sighs> anyway, the next morning. <laughs> the next day. <laughs> It's Expo, and Expo has more exposition, and he's like, hey, guess what? Big surprise, the King's Ed and his stupid fucking plan failed, and now everybody's captured, and everybody's going to be sacrificed. So can you save us? <laughs> yeah, Dar, go save everybody. Well, except for Zed the Worthless. That should have been the tip-off. He's King Zed the Worthless. Yeah, fuck the King. We're better off without him. So, um, he gets, he just rides into town, uh, throws... The bag with Koto and Poto into the prison cart. He chews through the binds on Seth and and uh, Tall. <laughs> Meanwhile, up on the top of the pyramid, he's already got Kiri, who's gonna sacrifice with a knife, and he's also got uh, King Zed, who's yeah. up there too, right? Yeah. And uh, he just, they keep doing what they're doing, despite the fact that uh, Dar just starts killing everything in sight. <laughs> like everything and everybody. And he's, he, but I mean, that's focus if you think about it. Yeah, I'm gonna finish this. Yeah, yeah. I brought prosperity to this town. <laughs> the J.C. Penny, that was mine. The J.C. Penny. I brought that. That's real power. <laughs> Isn't that worth a few children? <laughs> the movie theater, I brought that here. Yep. Anyway. So he is about to kill Kiri, and what happened? Dar gets up there. Yeah. And then Dar kills the remaining priests. And then he makes, uh, oh no, and while he's fighting the priest, um, Mayax goes up to Zed and he goes, look, son. And he's like, my son? And he's like, yeah, now I'm going to gut you. And then he guts him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we don't care because fuck you, Zed. Zed's fuck dead, you. baby. Zed's dead. No one makes my baby Dar cry. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> you were mean to Dar, so fuck you. And then him and the priest fight. No, no, him, Dar, and Mayax fight. Yeah, and the witch, and the, makes... the witch tells Mayax, "Oh, hey, this is the guy in the prophecy. Remember that thing about you being doomed? Guess what, asshole? <laughs> We're never wrong. <laughs> I am the only one left. I wish we could have seen that part where all of us died, including me." <laughs> <laughs> And then she gets a knife in the back or something and turns into a bird. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And flies away. So then Dar makes Mayax stab himself and then Mayax falls down and he looks like he's dead. Oh, no, that's right. It happens this way. He falls down and he looks like he's dead. Yeah. Which is like, aha! Everyone gets up there because everybody else has been killed. Everybody's happy. He saves Kiri. They're going to walk down and then the witch makes Zed get up and he looks like he's about to stab Dar. <laughs> he looks like he's about to stab Dar. And then... I don't want to say the next part. <laughs> you do it. And then, right before he stabs Dar... Yes? Kodo, one of the ferrets, yes. jumps on Mayax and bites his neck, and... And he screams like a little girl. He screams like a little girl, and... <laughs> He's like, Rah! Oh, shit! <laughs> and they, they both fall into the fire. It's a heroic sacrifice for the young ferret. That death was not worth the entire fucking town of these filthy chattel. <laughs> I do not accept. That is not a bargain. Yeah. That is... Ooh. And then at some point, the witch gets a knife in her back and fuck her. Yeah. And then everyone's like, yippee! Yay! Yippee! Yippee-dee-doo! Until someone goes, hey, look! <laughs> There's a, a huge cloud in the distance. Right on cue. It's a badly animated cloud. That's weird. I, I thought for sure the movie was over. Mm-hmm. 
that means John Hort is coming right on cue. Yeah. And some people are like, let's run. And other people are like, let's fight. And others are like, we're not worth the death of that long rat. And others are like, we should, I don't know, what should we do? And they turn to the little kid tall because technically they don't know that Dara's um, the next one in line. Right. He should be king. And so uh, he's, he looks to Dara and Dara says, we'll fight. And then the kid says, we're going to fight. And everyone's like, yay. <laughs> More of us can die. So then they go out to the tar moat and they cover it up with dirt. So it does it just looks like regular to ground, right? Yeah, yeah, sneaky. It's not like the John haven't seen it about a billion <laughs> times before well, and like, there, hey, what happened to the tar moat? Didn't there used to be a tar moat? Really? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Hasn't yeah. Weird. Does does that go away? Does tar just go away mm-hmm. like that? Huh? While everyone else is working like hell, Dar does the smartest thing ever in the damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sitting he's sitting up on the pyramid I'm like why don't you go help and he's like no I got a better idea yeah. and he takes out the little medallion thing <laughs> oh I'm he gonna throws help. it up to his <laughs> throws it up to his fucking bird and goes here you go hopefully they'll understand what this means hopefully they won't get insulted and like they re- he returned our medallion thing <laughs> motherfucker ungrateful god <laughs> my my mother made that that really meant something to me man <laughs> That night, the Juns arrive, right? Yeah, and they all run into the tar, as planned. <laughs> and then uh, they try, several people try to ignite the tar, but they keep getting shot with an arrow. And then Tall is going to be like, I'm brave. And he runs out there, and Kiri's, Kiri's like, what are you doing? And she goes out underneath the wall, and then, oh boy. And then <laughs> Dar goes after all three of them, and then the door, the gate closes, right? Yeah. Because the guy who is at the gate gets shot with an arrow, and no one else can operate the gate, apparently. And so... <laughs> I told you we should have trained more gatekeepers. Tall gets shot with an arrow, and then Dar picks up the, the torch, sets fire to one of the Jun. He's screaming and hopping around. <laughs> and then he kicks him into the, ta- the, the tar moat, and the tar moat fucking... I forgot oh, how big of an explosion this was. It explodes, yeah. So uh, most of the Joan are now on fire, except for the chief Joan, who's across on the other side with like, motherfucker. I cannot believe you just did that. We were just going to congratulate you on killing that prick. We were sick of him, too. But now this? (laughs) It's the line in the sand all over again, sir. (laughs) This is what you get when you develop this kind of reputation. You know, it's like, I just, I mean, are we just not going to ever make friends again? (laughs) Is it just going to be like this everywhere we go? Oh, it's kind of what what we, we what we've made people expect from us. <sighs> I just don't think this is sustainable long term. Well, too bad. Let's come on. Right. Let's try to cross this river this river of fire. <laughs> Here we go. So uh, they kill a bunch of people. The King Jun um, comes across on his horse. Um, then they fight. Then he fights with Dar because they're surrounded. They get surrounded. King comes across. Dar and him are gonna fight. They fight, and then his King Jun's weapon is like a multi-tool. Yeah. Because first it's like a staff, and then it turns into a super pickaxe. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, like a super sharp grappling hook, and then he's fighting with that for a little while, and then a chain comes out of the bottom, and he starts <laughs> spinning it around over his head. Like, come on, man, pick something. But then uh, Dar gets him to impale himself on his own on his own weapon. That should have killed the Jun leader, but instead he's like come medically trying to reach for it. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. Dar just leads him around by the handle sticking out of his back, and then just throws him into the fire, and he dies. Right? Yeah. 
But, oh, back to being surrounded. I guess they're doomed, right? Yeah, how are they going to get out of this? I don't know. Hopefully there aren't creatures that eat people <laughs> with their weird wing membranes. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They show up. Yeah. And they're, like, eating people all over the place. And as and Tar's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And he just grabs his friends. They pick up the dead body of his brother. They go back to the gate. And before he gets back to the gate, he looks up. And there are some of the wing dudes, and they're like, thanks for the meal, buddy. And he's just like, okay, bye. <laughs> they bring the kid into a house, and then uh, Seth takes out the arrow wrong. Like, really the wrong way to take out an arrow. <laughs> just yanks it out. Just yanks it out. Yeah, this will, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we're not surprised that the next morning when he comes out, he goes, well, it loses the, the ability to use his left hand for a while because I destroyed all the muscles leading to his arm when I ripped the arrow out of his body. There's a hole the size of a baseball in his chest, but uh, yep. he'll be all right. But he'll be fine. And that's when he discovers, because of the branded palm, that he's that he's actually king. Yeah. And he's like, you should be king. And he's like, nah, I like being with my animals. He can be king. He'll be good. He'll be good king. He's got you. Just as long as he doesn't get shot by another arrow. <laughs> and I want him to have this. And he leaves. Yeah. Right, Steve? Yep. And then the kid, as soon as he's awake, he runs up to the top of the pyramid, opens up his present, and it turns out to be the boomer knife thing, right? Yeah, and he's like, man, I was hoping it would be that bird medallion. <laughs> so I can call those dudes whenever I get cornered. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, walking away. He leaves. Kiri looks out after him and says, I can't believe it's gone. Well, oh, I feel relieved somehow, but... <laughs> <laughs> like I was about to do something really, really wrong. Oh, well... And Dar's looking out over a vista, and Kiri shows up, right? Yeah, and she's like, you know what? The hell with it. Yeah, I don't care for cousins. I don't care if we have mutant babies. I don't care. <laughs> and they start kissing. Yeah. They start kissing all over the place, because they're in love. Fuck convention. It's just like Darwin. Darwin married his first cousin, exactly. and half of his children died. If rich people can do it, why can't poor people do it? It's a That's double right. standard. If it's good enough for the royal family, it's good enough for Dar. God damn it. And... Oh, and then we see that Poto has had babies. Yeah. So it's like it's the ending babies. of Turner and Hooch. It's okay. There's a baby. Yeah, it's, but there's babies there, and everything's fine, and then we helicopter shot away, right? Yeah, The so the final shot is of the two cousins making out. That's right. With the black, the with the black tiger looking on like, okay, mm -hmm. still going. That, I happen to know that that shot was so well done because not only is the tiger chained up, but the handler is up there too. You never see You'll no, never see him. You never do. That's, a, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, the end. The end. Steve? Yeah? Yeah, man. How do you feel about this not classic, but I w there's got to be a term for this kind of movie. It's not a classic film. No. It didn't make the AFI top 100. It probably never will. 200s or thousands, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> How far do you have to scroll down to find this movie on the AFI website? But it's a movie that everyone at least knows about in joke form, right? Oh, it's I not would, a, yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do you feel about this movie? Is it a cult movie? It's not even a cult movie, is it? I feel like, yeah. I mean, like maybe even too many people have seen it for it to be a cult movie. Then what the I fuck is it? It's just good. 
Okay, it's just, fine. It's just, you know, it's just a weird, goofy, good movie. Like, I don't okay, know what else so to say. How about. do you feel about this weird, goofy, good, good movie? <laughs> I, I really liked it. Like I, like we said when we talked about it at the end of our last show, I mean, I, this, I think this was the first time I've properly watched it, like in its real un, unedited version. Um, you mean as an adult? As an adult, yeah. yeah. Um, because, yeah, it was on TV as we said, endlessly when I was growing oh up. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, endlessly. I mean, we, my family didn't even have cable when I was a little kid, but they would. it was one of those movies that was shown on like in syndication on the local TV station on like Sunday afternoon. So um, mm-hmm. it was always like coming up next, The Beastmaster. It's like, oh shit, again? Okay. Um, and yeah, so Welcome I- to our 24-hour Beastmaster marathon. <laughs> our programmer retired and we haven't trained his replacement. Enjoy the Beastmaster. We Beast can't Master. get the tape out of the machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's for, you know what it's the beastmaster channel from now on shit <laughs> we fired everyone no more local news just beastmaster after the t- seventh day please help me i'm going insane <laughs> I, i've almost I have saved run out of ways money to, to buy a new tape machine up next the beastmaster <laughs> Uh, so this was the first time I saw the actual movie as it was intended to be seen, um, and it's it's great. I mean, it's a ton of fun. It's it is. It's so it's 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 what I said. It's just a good goofy movie. I mean, it's totally formulaic. There's not really anything that happens in it that's like super surprising. It hits a lot of expected beats, but it hits them really well, and it has a goofy mm-hmm. sense of humor. And mm-hmm. it does have. When I was watching it, you know, yesterday to prepare for this, I mean, there are some stretches of it where it gets a little bogged down, where it's a little like okay, you know, and you're waiting for the next goofy thing to happen, but a, yep. some super goofy thing always like oh 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 a ferret just killed a guy, you know, like you never. What other <laughs> movie can you see that? What other movie do you see? Like, oh, there's wow, those ferrets are badass. Like, who would have thought that the ferret would be the somewhere in the script? It says the Death Guard with glowing eyes and weapons for hands is chasing two ferrets yeah. carrying keys, and the guy playing that Death Guard is clearly having so much fun just flailing around and and stomping <laughs> down that corridor. It's yeah, it's just it's delirious. It's deliriously silly. And and I don't you know you I don't know how you can watch it and not have a good time. I mean it's just mm-hmm. a great popcorn movie. It's a great movie to watch and just and just have fun. And but and even in spite of that, you know, as as we mentioned during the the plot summary, I mean the stuff with the dog is kind of sad. Like it it yep. it, it works. Like it it gives you enough grounded like uh, emotional investment. That, you know, you do, even though you're mostly just watching it because it's fun, you know, you, it does, it, it gives you a reason to care about Dar. He doesn't have, yeah. he doesn't have much dialogue. He doesn't have a lot of acting to do, but the movie does expect us to invest in him, in him emotionally. And we invest in him through his relationships with the animals where he, he shows himself to be loyal to them. You know, he refuses to leave without uh, the ferrets when they're in the, the pyramid. He's like, I'm not leaving without my friends which is something that a hero would say, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, we see his, you know, at the beginning, his relationship with his dog and how heroic his dog is and how that sort of, it it implied that that makes an impression on him. You know, Mm -hmm. his dog saves his life at the cost of its own life. And Dara's like, oh, okay, that's what you do. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and his feelings are genuinely hurt when he's banished by Zed. I mean, and called a freak and called a freak. Like there's enough of a, of a, of an actual character there that you can, you can invest in him so 
you actually care about how the goofy action scenes turn out. It's not just, oh, this is great. I mean, you do want Dar to win because you get you get to know him enough that you care about him and you want yeah. and you, you and you're given reasons as to why he's the good guy as opposed to just mm-hmm. some other guy in a loincloth with a sword. Like you get that okay, he's the good guy, obviously. Um yeah. so there's enough stuff that actually works on a real dramatic level, buried underneath all the goofy, you know, sword and sorcery action stuff, to kind of elevate it a little bit, you know, so so it's not just Oh, look at the goofy movie. It's not you're, yeah. you're not watching it like you're watching like a, you know, a so bad it's good movie. Although a lot of the moments in it work on that level. Um it's just a good movie. Like I think there's yeah. there, there's a very thin fuzzy line between a movie that's so bad that it's good and a movie that is just good but in a really goofy loopy way. And mm-hmm. I think Beastmaster is on that side of the line where it's not so bad yeah. it's good. It's good. It's just good in a really goofy silly way. Um and I thought it was terrific. So there you go. Yay! <laughs> um, I feel the same way pretty much as Steve does. Uh, I think if you have to compare this movie with the arguably the more famous one, which is Conan the Barbarian, mm. I have a feeling that if Arnie had not gone on to become a superstar, people would have fonder memories of Beastmaster than Conan. Yeah. Because while I enjoy both movies, I prefer Beastmaster over Conan the Barbarian. Mainly because I kind of get Dar. (laughs) It's kind of like, he's a decent dude, even though he does get a little weird, manipulative, rapey. Yeah. With with Kiri. Yeah. Um... For the most part, he doesn't get he doesn't get to succeed from that. No, at no point when when he's trying to convince her that the tiger's going to get her, the tiger bug kind of like is not his wingman and keeps showing up, you know, <laughs> when kind of ruining the illusion. And then she, when he tries to give her a kiss, she doesn't let him get away with it. Right. So you know, I'm willing to forgive that. And you know, in all honesty, Kiri is the weakest actor in the movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's not that great <laughs> at all, really. But I, I find myself giving a damn when she's up on the sacrificial thing, kicking priest's ass until they knock her out to sacrifice her. And yeah, it's a little save the damsel kind of bullshit, but, you know, what do you want? <laughs> it's it's What I like about this movie is it's very straightforward. There's not a whole lot of intrigue. There's not a whole lot of, well, let's put it this way. There's no explanations going on in this movie. Shit just kind of happens, and you go along with it. Phantasm's kind of the same way. Shit just kind of happens. You might get real confused for a while, but you just kind of go along with it. This is kind of the same way. There's no explanation of who the Juns are, or who R is, or why Mayax needs to sacrifice children, or (laughs) any of that shit. Nothing is explained. We just get it. They're bad. You know, they're good. The king's a dick. (laughs) You know, the Juns show up, and we know they're bad because they're wearing black leather armor, and they're they're scary, and they kill lots of people. Straightforward. And so you wind up liking the characters, and it's not you're not investing a huge amount of time in it. And while you are kind of invested in the characters, you're not invested to the point in which you're heartbroken at the end. Unless, of course, you're like me, and you don't want anything to happen to Kodo. <laughs> oh, God, why? <laughs> See, at that point, when, when Kodo dies... I would have been perfectly fine if he had just turned around and started slaughtering the village. Saying, he died for you! This is your fault, you ungrateful bastards! <laughs> and then the bat things show up and start eating people. And he's just like, yeah. yes, feast! You're damn right. 
But again, what what are the the bat things, Steve? Oh God, who even knows? Because there's nothing else like them in the movie. No, or even hinted at them like in the movie. No, they're just this race of bat things that live under a Christmas tree. Yeah, they're a thing to be introduced early and paid off later. Like that's it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't feel like they got stuck in a like a like how are we going to be able to save these guys at the end of the movie? We wrote ourselves into a corner. It it feels like a payoff. Yeah. It feels like, hey, we did this thing, remember that? Here's the payoff. Right. That was weird at the time, right? Well, guess what? Yeah. We know these guys don't seem to belong anywhere in this established world that we've created. <laughs> But I like it. I like the movie. Is it great? Is it a great movie? No, it's a good movie. Is it, you know, did it have as much money as Conan? Nope. <laughs> they wanted to film in places like Germany and Spain, but they they settled for Southern California. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> did they know what they were doing? Nope, but they tried as hard as they could. Didn't know what to do with the animals. Didn't know, probably didn't even have a sword fighting instructor. <laughs> <laughs> because some of the sword fights in this are so stupid, stupid. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, boy. There's no training sequence in Dar, with Dar and that sword that makes me laugh. Every single one of them makes me laugh so damn oh, hard. Because he's just like, you just kind of swing a sword around, right? That's what you do. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He hacked the but shit out of that stream, of the, though, didn't he? Yeah. Huh? He hacked the shit out of that stream, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Running down that stream. Fuck he was yeah. hugging. He's like, ha, take that stream. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of movies like this in the 80s. Commando. Oh, yeah. Commando. This is basically Commando, but with, you know, Dar. <laughs> Commandar. Now I want a movie where Dar and, and, and uh, Matrix get together <laughs> and fight the Predator. How about that for a movie? Can't we have that? Oh, that would be the ultimate 80s team-up. Come on, make it happen. As long as the bat things show up at the end and eat the Predator. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, Steve, what do you, I give, uh, classic not classic doesn't stand up. You recommend it? Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. If, yes. if you haven't seen it, then I definitely recommend you watch it. Yeah, so now it's time for our not recommendations. Steve, is there a movie that you want to not to recommend? <laughs> yes, there is, actually, and it is another uh, sword and sorcery movie uh, that I actually just discovered last year because it was featured in an episode of the new season of Mystery Science Theater. Okay. And it is uh, a movie, it is a, a one of these weird sort of barbarian sword and sorcery movies that were churned out in great numbers after Conan and Beastmaster. And it's from 1985, and it was directed and written by Nobody, and it stars Nobody. And it's called Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. Are there wizards in it? Um, not really. I mean, there's magic, but, <laughs> you know, there... And, uh... No, there is. Actually, there is. There's a good wizard and there's a bad wizard. But it's not really okay, about the wizards. It's about the traveling adventurer who becomes like the hero. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, well, I have to go off for more adventures. And then he leaves. And then they make a sequel and he's not in it. And in fact, I don't think the sequel has anything to do with the first movie <laughs> other than the title. But but yeah, it's it's one of those movies where it's like it's obviously somebody saw that, you know, oh, hey, Beastmaster's doing really good in the video market and they're playing it on TV a lot. We better make us one of those. And yeah, I keep going to Blockbuster. It's always rented yeah, out. We better make our own. So that's what they did. And uh, it's not exactly a great movie. I wouldn't recommend watching it without 
the mystery science theater accompaniment because it's just kind of <laughs> it's just kind of dull, you know. It's boring. It's kind of boring, and it's kind of like if if you've seen one, you've seen them all. So if you enjoy the Beastmaster and you want to try out a, another film in that genre, I would say maybe don't watch Wizards of the Lost Kingdom unless you watch no. the mystery science theater episode. Okay, so I, as you guys know, I like to uh, re- uh, either recommend or not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie we just reviewed. Um, and this year had Conan. I almost uh, did not recommend The Sword and the Sorcerer, mm. but I haven't seen that in a while, so I don't know if I don't or do recommend it. But there is a movie that I know for a fact that I hate, and it's not <laughs> has anything to do with swords or sorcery or anything. It has a lot to do with TV actors struggling desperately to get into the movie business oh boy. and failing miserably and making a misogynistic garbage movie that everyone hated. The movie I'm going to tell you guys not to watch is a comedy <laughs> set in high school starring Willie Ames and Scott Bayo oh. and it's called Zapped. Oh shit. Zapped is um Zapped is <sighs> Zapped mm-hmm. is a hole in your life if you watch it. <laughs> it's a it's it's a rancid cavity in your memory mm. if you've seen the film. It's basically Scott Bayo is in an accident and then he gets telekinetic powers that he uses to uh, make women naked and stuff. And Willie Ames is his creepy friend who <laughs> I guess is there for the ride. It's the most unfunny garbage you will ever see, so do not waste your time watching it. Um, Scott Baio says, I think it's a great film. Also, Scott Baio supported Trump, and he can go fuck himself with a wood rasp, because I don't care what you think is good or bad, Scott Baio. Who asked you? Your career ended a long time ago. Yeah, Charles is no longer in charge. (laughs) So just fuck off. So don't go see Zapped. <clears throat> it's not. It's not even so bad. It's good. It's just bad. It's just bad. It's bad, and it hurts you. Don't let that movie hurt you. And that's it. Hey, Steve. Yeah, man. Now that May's over, we got to get back to our real job. I know. We, we we have to we have to get back to our usual shtick of seriously reviewing movies. Yeah, yeah. we got to seriously review a movie that's seriously considered a classic. And I seriously still need to hurt you for some reason. Oh, this okay. year has been about hurting Steve. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm still bitter about He-Man and She-Ra, The Secret yeah, of the Sword. It does leave a, it leaves a mark, doesn't it? I still hear that fucking music in my head. <laughs> She-ra, she-ra. And just remember, I used to watch that show by choice. Yeah, I know. I know, Steve. I know you do. <laughs> hey, guys. Just to let you know so that you guys can watch the movie so that you can get all the jokes next time we review it, I'm not even letting Steve have a vote nope. in this. If he doesn't bring it up before we record, it's his own goddamn fault. <laughs> uh, blame the victim. <laughs> so... We got to review a classic, mm-hmm. right? You know what we haven't reviewed in a long time? Oh, what haven't we reviewed? A musical. Oh, okay, okay. Been about a year. We reviewed. Uh, we reviewed uh, the, the fucking dancing around in the rain movie. S- singing in the rain. Singing in the rain. <laughs> that's right. We both liked that movie a lot. We did. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen the movie that I'm going to say we're going to review next. Okay. It's a musical. Okay, gotcha. It's got songs in it. Romance. Ooh. Singing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nazis. Nazis. Mm-hmm. Nuns. A musical with nuns and Nazis. Mountains. Children. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm still I'm still drawing a blank. 
The next movie that we're going to review is the classic on the AFI Top 100. Mm-hmm. The movie that everyone would see it around Easter, maybe, but it used to be an event thing that people would watch on television every year, much like The Wizard oh. of Oz, because people love this movie so much. The next movie we're going to review, and if you guys hate this movie already, I'm sorry. <laughs> But you're going to want to watch it to get all the jokes. The next movie is not the taste, not the touch, but the sound (laughs) of music. The touch of music. Somebody make that. Make that right now. The hills will be alive with the sound of our weeping. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you, Julie Andrews. But then again, you don't know. Maybe we'll wind up loving it. Maybe we'll be like, oh, shit, this was better than I thought it was going to be, right, Steve? It's happened before. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this time. But We live in hope. Yeah. Nothing like a four-hour musical, right, oh, Steve? Oh, boy. I don't know if it's four hours, but it felt like it the last it's, time we saw it. Some of the songs. There's, oh, there's so many songs. <laughs> oh, there's lots of songs, and they have nothing to do with the plot, yeah. really. Yay. And it's based on a true story, I guess. Yay. <laughs> Steve's starting to hyperventilate a little bit. <laughs> I love when a musical is based on a true story, and it's not a good musical, and you have to you start imagining all the stuff from the real story that they cut out to make room for the songs. Yeah. Also, based on a true story can get no more inaccurate than having it be a musical. Yeah. So we invented some stuff, okay? Like all the times that the people broke out into yeah, song the, and started dancing around. The elaborate, choreographed musical numbers are not actually factual. <laughs> this did not happen. Did that- should be required to put a title up on the screen when they start singing. <laughs> Artistic license being employed. <laughs> so, hey guys, to get all the jokes and everything, go out and find the sound of music. And that's it. We're done. Yay, our birthdays are over. Yeah. Happy birthday, Steve. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday, Jason. Thank you. Until next time, guys, this has been Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. And if anything should happen to me, look for our enemies, the Juns, and you may search for your destiny in the Valley of Uruk. And then I die. What? Where's the the Juns? Yeah. Uruk? Yeah. Wait, I'm going to ask these leather-clad guys on horses (laughs) if they know where all this stuff is. (laughs) Hi, my dad. Hey, the guy just died. Um... You guys know anything about Juns or Aurochs or something? Is your dad the guy who drew the line? I don't know. Oh, I wasn't there. I'm so <laughs> mad at that guy. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, hey, I'm just looking for a town called Aurochs and a group of guys called the Juns. Yeah. They sound... He didn't really explain why I'm looking for him or anything. Is that okay? Oh, wait a minute. I gotta talk to my bird. <laughs> okay, we're just gonna go. That's the... <laughs> Wait, the there's bird, a dancing bear. No, the bird thing is too much. We're going to go. Hey, everybody. Oh, my God. Come on, let's go. Here's my tiger. Wait. We're leaving. I got some long rats here. No. Wait, my bat friends. You're too weird. You're a freak. <laughs> no one will be my friend. <laughs> I'm telling you, he should have. He 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 has like three animals, and then he just stops collecting. He used to keep. <laughs> Believe me, it becomes. He gets more and more. This is the prequel to So We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production. 
featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.